We're going to cover the whole book of Jonah tonight, okay, which is the whole story of Jonah. And it's not the story of Jonah and the big fish. It's actually just the story of Jonah because there's other parts of the story. But everyone always goes, oh, it's the whale or the big fish. It never says it's a whale. It says big fish. We don't know. It could have been a genetically engineered fish by God that was specifically designed to not digest food. And so it only lived three days. And <laughs> it was a whale fish without a blowhole, okay? So it was, no, okay. So, hey, stick with me. We will get through this. I promise we'll do it fast. We'll make it happen. So in our final lesson of our story time series, and it should come as no shock to anyone, basically because it's the only story left and because we've been talking about it for the last 10 minutes, that our last story tonight is Jonah. It's one of the most famous stories in the Old Testament, and, you know, normally I would try to, like, start my lesson off with some sort of funny story or a little quip. But in the sense of time and in the sense of just trying to replicate the book of Jonah, we're just going to get started. So this story actually centers around a man named... Jonah. Oh, brilliant. You guys are so good. God. And Jonah... <laughs> God. Okay. So this, this whole book is centered around the story of a man named Jonah and God calling him to bring a message of conviction to a town, city, whatever you want to call it, metroplex, suburban area called Nineveh. Okay. And in the same way as this lesson, kind of we just jumped in and started. If you actually read the book of Jonah, it does the same thing. It just starts and it goes. So I'm going to read you guys the first three verses of the, of the book of Jonah. <clears throat> Jonah 1.1. 1, 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed towards Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Okay. So we're three verses in, we're barely into the book of Jonah, and Jonah has already been given a command from the Lord and run from the Lord, okay? We're three verses in, and that has already happened, okay? So what's crazy here is what God is asking Jonah to do in these verses is something that he realistically asks each and every one of us to do in our own lives. Like, I want us all to to really take a second to realize that what he's calling Jonah to do, to go to a city that is filled with wickedness and to proclaim the name of Jesus, well, the name of God. For us, it's the name of Jesus, to proclaim the gospel. But he's told by God to go to this city filled with wickedness and to teach them about God, his commands, and to basically tell them that God's judgment was coming upon them. And if you look at this, we're told to do the same thing. Like our lives are centered around going into places of wickedness, which sounds weird, but that's what our lives are. Whether you want to say that's your school or whether you want to say that's some of your family or you want to say it's your clubs or organizations or extracurricular activities you do, whatever you want to say that you're 
Nineveh is, we are called by God to be people who go in there and proclaim his name. And you know, um, I think many of us are just like Jonah. We, we are scared to do this. We don't want to do it for one reason or another. We'll talk about exactly why Jonah didn't want to do this in a second. But we run from God. And, and a lot of times we don't feel like we're doing anything too bad because we're not actually running from God. We're just not doing what God told us to do. Like God will say, hey, I am putting you in this group or I'm putting you around these people so that you can be the person who shows them what the Christian life looks like. Or you can be the person who shares the gospel with them. Or you can be the person who invites them to church. And instead of doing what God calls us to do, we just say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'd rather just blend in. I'd rather fit in. Or I don't want to. Maybe you feel like, and this is kind of what Jonah's problem was, maybe you don't like those people. And you're like, you know what, I'm in this group with them. I'm in this school with them. I'm in this club with them. And, and I just don't like them. They annoy me. I don't want to invite them to church because then I'll have to be around them more and that kind of stuff. Whatever that mentality is, we have to realize that our responsibility to serving God and to sharing his gospel, to sharing, proclaiming his name with others, supersedes or is more important than any of our feelings, any of our desires, or any of our thoughts about those people. There's a second thing that I see really important in here. And one, we've already seen in verse 1 that the city of Nineveh was filled with wickedness. The people were evil. And, and I think that, you know, and God tells Jonah, hey, in 40 days, which we'll see this again in a second, but he says in 40 days, I'm going to wipe out the city of Nineveh for their wickedness. And yet we ultimately see that the town of Nineveh turns from their ways and God spares them. And I think it shows something we talk about in here a lot, but a lot of people can't fully grasp and can't fully understand. And it's this idea that no matter how wicked you feel like you may, you, your actions or whatever you maybe have done in your life is, God still loves you to the point to where he will forgive you. Like this is such an important thing that I think a lot of teenagers don't grasp because they think whatever I've done or whatever I've said or whatever I am is too bad for God to use or too bad for God to forgive. But we see right here from the story of Nineveh that the people were wicked to the point to where God was going to wipe the earth of them. But God sends someone in Jonah to call them out, to convict them. And ultimately they're spared because of that. But we later find out that Jonah despised the Ninevites. He hated them. In fact, the reason that he didn't want to go tell them about God's plan to wipe them out was because he thought they deserved it. Jonah thought that the Ninevites deserved to be wiped off the face of the earth, and he was kind of glad that God was going to do it. He didn't think they deserved a second chance. He didn't think they deserved God's grace. They weren't worthy of God's love and forgiveness. So instead of doing what God called him to do, to go to those people and to, to tell them about God and convict them of their wickedness, he quite literally runs in the opposite direction. And I can't help but feel 
that everyone in here has run from God at some point in their life. Some of you may be running from God currently. And so I want you to think as we walk through this lesson right here, as we look at Jonah and we look at kind of his mentality and what he went through. (coughs) And and for those of you who have maybe run from God before but aren't right now, you know, you'll understand. Like I've been there. There's been times in my life where I wouldn't say I've been running from God necessarily in like the sense that I'm just trying to get away from him. But in the sense that I'm not doing what he told me to do, what he called me to do. You'll understand that being someone who stops running from God and starts following God is so much more gratifying in your life than spending your whole life trying to run in the opposite direction of God or just have your back turned to him, not listening to him. But I think we've all been there. We all have these times in our life where God is telling us to do something. He's calling us to serve him in some way. And I feel like a lot of times... Those moments come whether it's in here or whether it's in the sanctuary or whether it's at camp. God will speak to you and he will say, he will convict your hearts and say, you know what? I am placing you in this situation. I'm placing you in this mission field. I'm placing you in whatever situation around whatever people to do this work for me. And we either run from him or we don't follow those directions. And then we wonder, we sit here And we wonder why this metaphorical sea around us is raging and trying to take us down. And I'm not sitting here saying that God is, is, if you know, God's sending bad things your way to punish you for not listening to him. But it's amazing that when you're serving God in the way that he's called you to, what kind of peace comes with that? That doesn't mean that bad things don't still happen. But you just have this peace of knowing that you're following the plan that God has for you. But when we don't follow God, our our life can seem like it's in such turmoil. Our life can be so unfulfilling, so ungratifying. And we see Jonah in this right now because he's on a boat on the way to Tarshish. And which sounds like I have some sort of speech impediment whenever I try to say it. But that's the name of the town. But he's on his way there. And all of a sudden this major storm comes up and waves are crashing over the boat. And we're going to look at this story starting in verse 4 of, cha- of chapter 1. <clears throat> it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to their own God, and they threw cargo in the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he could lay down and fall to a deep sleep. Okay, time out. Jonah is running so far from God that they are all on the verge of death. And they're all praying to their miscellaneous gods. And Jonah's like, nope, I don't want to talk to God right now. I'm going to sleep. Okay, that's how far Jonah is from God at this point. Uh, So the captain goes down and says to him, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell to Jonah. So they ask him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What did you do? Where, did you, where do you come from? What is your country? For what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? And they already knew. Jonah had already told them that he was running from the Lord. 
while he was on the boat. I, I don't know who mentions that casually. So why are you going to Tarshish? I'm running from the Lord. Like, I'd be like, okay, get off my boat. Okay, but they already knew this, so they're terrified. Says the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they ask him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Okay, logical answer right here is turn around and take me back so I can go to Nineveh. But what does Jonah say? Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Okay, Jonah. And it will become calm. I know that it was my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So now the logical men on the boat. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as uh, for for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and offered sacrifice to the Lord and made their vows. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three nights and three days. Okay. When I look at this story, and I kind of pointed this out as I was reading it, I wonder to myself why Jonah asked first to be thrown overboard rather than to be taken back. Because if it's me, and I'm running from God, and I and God, you know, sends this storm to stop me from running from him, my first thought would be, take me back to the shore, I'll go to Nineveh. Okay, God, you got me. But Jonah's first answer is to be thrown into the sea. And I don't think, this is just, this is just my reading between the lines here, I don't think that Jonah wanted to be thrown in the sea because he was trusting that God would take care of him or because he was like, oh, this is, you know, that God told him, you must... You must throw yourself into the sea if you want to. Okay, I legitimately think that Jonah was still trying to run from God. And he didn't want to go to Nineveh so bad that he would rather be thrown overboard and drown in the storm than go to Nineveh. Okay, I think that is why that was his first answer was to throw him into the sea. And because of that attitude... Because God saw that Jonah's heart, that he still hadn't been broken from this desire to run from him. When they tried to turn the boat around, God didn't let him. He said, yeah, throw him overboard. Let me show him what I can really do. And so he throws him overboard. And this giant fish, now again, we don't know if this was a whale or a shark or if God created a giant fish that was specifically designed to house Noah for three days or Jonah for three days. I don't know. This fish swallows him up. And all I can think is that Jonah's sitting here wishing that he had died. Okay, he's like, man, I really wish I would have drowned. Why did this fish eat me? And he's sitting in the belly of this fish. He can't go anywhere. And all he has to do is sit there and think about what he's done. And if you want to, if you want to like just try to envision for a second, literally being trapped in the belly of a fish, okay, we're not talking you're in your you're trapped in your room without Wi-Fi. Okay, like as bad as that would be, okay. This is you are trapped in the belly of a fish. You cannot go anywhere. It probably smells absolutely horrid. Okay. <clears throat> and you are only alone with yourself, your thoughts, and God. You want to see where that gets you? I mean, if if you're really curious. Go lock yourself like in a bathtub 
for three days or something and don't. But if you want a way to live vicariously through Jonah, go read Jonah 2. The whole chapter of Jonah 2 is a prayer from Jonah to God where he is repenting for running from him and he's calling upon God to save him. You can go read it. I'm not going to read it in here. It's, it's not super long, but we're going to move to chapter 3. But I think that this was Jonah's breaking point. I think God knew when Jonah would rather die than go to Nineveh that, that he needed some sort of like massive breaking point. And this fish was it. So God finally shows Jonah favor after three days and three nights, which if you're curious why it was three days, three nights, maybe that's how long it took Jonah to realize what he needed to realize. Honestly, if you read Matthew 12, Jesus actually cites the story of Jonah and he says, just as Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of a well, then the son of man, meaning Jesus, must spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He was predicting his own death, relating it to Jonah. Three days, three nights, same thing. I don't know if that's just how long it took Jonah to realize or if God was just trying to do a little foreshadowing there. But you can take from that what you will. But after three days, three nights, you know that the song always says, spit him up on the dry land. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just picture the fish is going like, no. Read your Bible. He vomited him up on the dry land. That is not a, that is a, okay. A sound I've heard way too often in the last week. Okay. I just wonder if he yelled while he did it. Just kidding. So Jonah gets vomited up. He doesn't get spit up on dry land. He gets vomited up on dry land. And I'm sitting here as Je- I'm sure Jonah's sitting here like, I've literally been in, been in the belly of this fish for three days, and now I'm covered in fish vomit, and I'm out here with nowhere to shower, okay? Like, I'm sure when he walked into Nineveh, they were like, please go away. <laughs> like, okay. <clears throat> so anyway, so Jonah now has a new mentality, He goes to the people of Nineveh and preaches a message of destruction for their evil and their wickedness against God. And he tells them that that God is going to destroy Nineveh in 40 days. And immediately, immediately, the people of Nineveh take this to heart. All the way up to the king. And the king, everyone starts fasting, puts on sackcloth like they're in mourning, sits in ashes and dirt. And they are all mourning and praying to God saying, please do not destroy us. They are turning from their ways. They're showing that they're taking this very seriously. I'm sure Jonah, even though he's now doing what God said, is sitting there going, you guys are Ninevites. You are horrible people. You deserve everything you're going to get. And no matter how much praying and, and groveling to God that you do, he's still going to destroy you in 40 days. And what does God say? He says to the people of Nineveh through Jonah, he says, you know what? I have seen you turn from your wicked ways. I've seen you commit your lives to serving me and I have spared you. I will show you mercy. I will not destroy your city. And I'm sure Jonah is sitting there going, yeah, what are you saying, God? Yeah, because of you, you're going to what? You're going to wait, what, God? You're going to spare them? Why? 
They're Ninevites. And Jonah cannot believe what he's hearing. We see Jonah get so angry at God that he's sparing the Ninevites that God has to again teach him a lesson. As if the storm, the fish, the fish vomit was not enough. Jonah is again disagreeing with God. We see him get angry with God and just just to put it bluntly, Jonah's a baby about it. Okay? He's pouting to God. And this is where we see Jonah's true mindset. And you're wondering why I was saying the thing about I feel like he just wanted to die when he asked them to throw him overboard. I think we see right here, we see how truly emotional and moody Jonah is. Looking and starting in chapter four. <clears throat> this is right after God said that he's going to forgive the people of Nineveh. It says, Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, oh Lord, is, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That, it, that is why I was so quick to flee for Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents in sending calamity. Now, God, now, oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. He's like literally saying to God, kill me if you're going to let the Ninevites live. Like, I would literally rather die than live in a world where the Ninevites are, is what he's saying. And so God, like I said again, decides to teach Noah. Or no, why do I keep saying that? Keep, teach Jonah. I made that joke and it's got me all twisted. So God decides to teach Jonah why it's not his place or his business to be upset about who God is showing grace for or grace to. So in verse 5 of chapter 4, it says, Jonah went out and sat on a place east of the city. So again, Jonah like literally tells God, please kill me. And then he goes out and sits in the desert pouting. Okay, literally this is how big of a baby Jonah is. So Jonah went out and sat down a place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter and sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. So he's still thinking, maybe God's just joking. I'm going to go sit outside the city and watch it burn. Okay, Jonah just doesn't get it. Then the Lord provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head and ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. So Jonah's sitting here going, okay, God, we've kind of been a difference, but you made this nice. I, I don't know why. You know the piranha, the piranha plant from Mario? That's what I picture the vine looking like. I don't know why, but I picture this like big vine like growing up and like it's like moving its head around to like provide him shade. And Jonah's like, okay, God. We haven't been on the same page, but we're buds now. You sent this vine to keep me cool. And... But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and sun blazing on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. Okay, so here's Jonah again going, God, just kill me. It got windy. Okay, like Jonah, calm down. And uh, so it says he wanted to die and he said, it would be better for me to be dead than alive. Okay, Jonah is like seriously having some emotional turmoil now. Okay, and here's what God says to him. Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? Jonah says, I do. I'm angry enough to die. 
And the Lord says, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about this great city? And just as abruptly as the book of Jonah begins, that's where it ends, okay? But we see from this story that Jonah is so concerned and so angry about this vine being gone and this wind coming that he wants to die again, okay? I don't understand why Jonah wants to die so badly. But God says, look, Jonah, why are you mad that this vine's gone? You're the one who chose to walk out in the desert. If that vine hadn't been put there in the first place, the wind and the sun and all that stuff would have affected you the same way. So why are you angry that the vine's not there? And he's like, because I had the vine and now I don't. God says, but the vine was never yours. It was mine. And in the same way, the city of Nineveh was never yours to judge. It was mine to judge. You were simply the piece by which I was conveying my message. This is kind of a crazy story. I think a lot of times we think of Jonah and the big fish or Jonah and the whale as just like, oh, he went on a boat and fell in the water and a fish ate him and spit him up and everyone was happy. Like, okay. Realistically, this is a book. This is a book. The book of Jonah. It's short, like four chapters. We just covered the whole book right now. This is a book literally about a man who is fighting with God. A man who is angry at God, a man who is confused by God, a man who does not understand God. And I'm telling you right now, as a Christian, each and every one of you will go through a point in your life, if you haven't already, maybe you've been through multiple of them, maybe you're in one right now, where you are confused by God, you are angry with God, you do not understand how God works, who God is, why God's doing what he's doing in your life. Look to this story of Jonah. It tells us some really good things about how we are to navigate these times in life where we feel completely disconnected from God. What does it tell us? How do we navigate this time? Hopefully better than Jonah did, because Jonah just sat around talking about how he wanted to die the whole time. I think number one, don't worry about others, worry about yourself. I'm going to be honest with you, I think a lot of times we get more consumed with other people than ourselves. Like, yes, we can be very critical of ourselves and our our own actions, but I think so many times we get more concerned with what other people think of us, what other people will think if we share the gospel with them, what other people think if we we serve God in the way that he calls us to. We're worried about how other people act, how other people dress, how other people talk. We sit here and we'll come to youth group and we'll sit on the opposite side of the room from that kid because, you know what, I was at school and I heard them say a cuss word the other day. They're not really a Christian. Shame on them. We worry so much about what other people do and we don't focus enough on ourselves following God. 
So let me tell you right now, whether you're struggling with God, you're fighting with God right now, or whether it's, it happens to you sometime in the future. Step one, worry about yourself first and your relationship with God. And second, this, so you have to worry about yourself first. The second thing you have to do is what Jonah should have just done from the beginning, what he did in the middle, and what he apparently didn't learn and didn't do at the end. You have to follow God at all times. That sounds so simple. Like, this sounds, like that sounds like the most cliche, most simple tools that I could give you from this book is don't worry about others, worry about yourself and follow God. All right, guys, let's get out of here. Like, that sounds so simple, and I get it. It's not that simple. Like, I know it's not as easy as that just sounded. But you have to be people who worry about yourself first. Follow God, like literally put on blinders to everything else going on around you, focusing only on the path that God has set before you. I I picture, like imagine if I was going to try to walk on this line that's on the floor right here, and I would just literally be so focused, and I would just focus to put one foot in front of the other and stay on that line the whole way, not focusing on what's going on around me, even though Grace is over here hitting ping pong balls at me and... Landon's over there jumping on a table and someone else has grabbed a Nerf gun and is shooting at me. I, whatever's happening, I'm focusing on what I'm doing. I'm focusing on the path that is set before me because I don't want to step off this line. And as I do this, if I'm doing this, when God calls me to say, hey, take this person and put them on the line with you and show them how to walk on the line, how to stay focused, how to not be distracted by the things around them. I'm able to do that because I'm doing it first. But if I'm walking on this line and I'm getting distracted by all these things around me and God says, hey, grab this person and put them on the line and show them how not to get distracted. I'm not in a place or a position to do that. So if we truly want to be used by God in the way that he calls us to, to follow the path that he has laid for us, because we talk about this all the time, almost every Wednesday night, God has a plan and a path for each and every one of you. And it's your job as a follower of Christ to find that path and to follow it. We have to be people who worry about ourselves first and follow God with everything we have, putting up blinders to all the distractions and keep pursuing God so that when he calls out and says, Hey, Go to your Nineveh. Go to those people who need to hear about Jesus. That you're so focused on doing what God says and following his path that you go, I'm on it, God. I've got this. And you don't hop on a ship to Tarshish. I I was talking with someone today about this story. And I realized that in the same vein as what I'm about to say sounds like Jonah talking about the Ninevites. But I was talking to someone, I said, man, I really kind of hate Jonah. Like he was, he was someone that God called to preach, you know, basically preach that, the Old Testament version of the gospel to these people of Nineveh. And he can't even get his heart in the right place. And then I started to think, man, how many times have I gotten up and preached the gospel without my heart in the right place? And that's the struggle of uh, that's the struggle of being a minister. That's the struggle of being a Christian. 
is that we can't do the things that God has called us to do if our heart is not in the right place first. So I challenge you guys tonight. I don't know, I don't know what place you're at with God. Maybe you're in a great place with God. Maybe you're just walking right along, doing great. Maybe you are really struggling with him. Maybe you're fighting with him. Maybe you don't understand him. Maybe you're confused by him. I don't know where you're at. But let me tell you something right now. You need to find out how you can follow him better. You need to put on the blinders. Stop worrying about other people. Stop worrying about other things. Stop worrying about how other people are relating to God and figure out how you can improve your relationship with God. How you can get yourself on the path that he has set forth for you. Guys, that wraps up our story time series. So we're going to move on. I've got something really cool. I've kind of got like a new, a new focus that I want to bring into the youth group uh, starting next week. So I hope you guys will be here to kind of hear about this new focus we're going to teach. I'm not sure if I'm going to do a series or maybe just like a short mini series, like maybe just one, two weeks or something, just kind of laying out this focus, this vision. <coughs> but we're going to start that next week. We might even make shirts about it. Like, I'm so pumped about it. So, But we'll talk about it next week, okay? That's just a teaser. So um, be here next week. Reach out to people. We've been talking about this. Reach out to people who haven't been here in a while, okay? Because we've got a lot of people. I know, I know some people are, you know, going to this Wednesday night or going to this midweek activity or going to whatever. But there's a lot of people who used to come here on Wednesday nights who are not going anywhere right now, okay? So reach out to those people. Try to bring them back into our youth group so that we can start, you know, being a family in the way that God's called us to, to be, be a team together again, okay? But let me pray for you guys, and uh, we will go from here. God, I thank you so much for this night. I thank you for these students that are here. And God, I just pray for us to just heed the warning of the story of Jonah, that we would just be people who are focused solely on ourselves and our relationship with God. And that sounds so self-centered, sounds so egotistical to say that we're focusing on ourselves relative to God. But God, it's so essential that we start there, that we have a solid relationship with you before we try to do anything else to reach other people. And God, I pray that you would just help us all to be people who find the path that you have set before us that we would just be people who follow you and are devoted to you and, and do the things that you call us to do with every ounce of energy that we have in our bodies. God, God, we love you. I pray a blessing on these students as we go from here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.